Curling is a sport for cold places, like Scotland, Canada and New Zealand, where it snows in the winter and the rivers freeze over. So just how did Australia, the driest inhabited continent on Earth, and with no dedicated curling facilities, end up with an Olympic qualifying curling team? Hi, I'm Tony Armstrong. Welcome to The Pool Room, where we celebrate the winners, losers, and the weird stuff between. If you haven't heard of curling, you're not alone. It's a decidedly weird sport, an ancient game that somehow made it into the modern world relatively untouched. I'm not going to go too deep into the rules here because, believe me, it's surprisingly complicated. What you need to know is that it's played on ice by teams of either two or four people. They take turns to slide a heavy, polished granite stone along the ice towards a target. At the same time, their other team members sweep the ice in front of the stone using actual brooms. It might sound a little strange, but make no mistake, this game requires a lot of skill and strategy. So much so that it's often referred to as chess on ice. The best players exhibit a captivating combination of balance, coordination and grace, and a healthy understanding of physics. Hugh Milliken is a curling champion the Vice President of the World Curling Federation, and, as you might have guessed, a lifelong passionate proponent of the sport. So, when he moved to Australia from Canada, he was shocked to discover there were no dedicated curling facilities in the entire country. But he didn't let that deter him. Soon after arriving, Hugh helped establish the first Australian curling team in the early 90s and became their skipper the team's captain. Fast forward to 2008, at the World Men's Curling Championship. The Aussies broke a record, winning five out of six games. At the time, this was the most wins ever for an Australian team. It also meant they found themselves in the running for something that until that point had seemed a faraway dream. The opportunity to qualify for the 2010 Winter Olympics. This was huge. The Australian team had worked towards this goal for years, but it had always seemed so unlikely. At the time, there were an estimated 300 curlers in Australia. Compare that to Canada's 1 million. The Aussie team saw this as an opportunity to raise the sport's profile at home and let the world know that Australian curlers were serious contenders. They enlisted the coaching services of Earl Morris, a champion Canadian curler. But without dedicated training facilities in Australia, they were forced to travel. When they could afford it, they'd fly to Canada to train. Other times, New Zealand provided a cheaper option, a little closer to home. Despite these challenges, things were looking promising. Practice was going well and they were improving. Because of Hugh Milliken and his team's unrelenting dedication, Australia had gone from having a non-existent curling team to being within reach of competing on the world stage. But then, six months out from the qualifying round, disaster struck. 
all of their curling equipment was stolen, including 58 stones, costing an estimated $23,000. For a small team playing a practically unknown sport, this financial blow signalled the end of their Olympic dreams. They already had to pay for expensive flights and accommodation just to train, and now they'd lost all their gear. Luckily, they managed to raise the money needed to replace most of it. But looking back, that was the final straw for Australia's first curling team. When the qualifying games came around, the Aussies played with the spirit that had got them there, but it just wasn't enough. They came 10th, missing the Olympics by half a point. For a while, it looked as if Australia's curling dreams were over. Hugh Milliken wasn't the only one working hard to raise the sport's profile down under. Lynn Gill was watching the 1998 Winter Olympics held in Japan when she chanced upon the icy game and immediately fell in love. Excited to have a go, she called up her local ice rink, only to learn what Hugh had already discovered. There were no dedicated curling facilities in the whole of Australia, least of all in Sydney, where she was living. In fact, the ice rink she called had no idea what curling even was. Years passed. Lynn focused on raising her family, but she couldn't seem to get curling out of her head. After moving to Brisbane, she decided to try her local ice rinks again. This time, the person she spoke to knew what curling was, and even better, they knew where she could find stones to play with. There just so happened to be a bunch gathering dust at a neighbouring ice rink. They agreed to let her practice if she went and collected the stones herself and found a group of people who wanted to play. So Lynn now had some equipment and a place to train, but she still needed to find other people who wanted to join and learn the rules of the game herself. This was pre-social media. It wasn't exactly easy to meet other curling enthusiasts. She started by asking every Canadian or Scottish person she met if they knew anything about curling. She put adverts in the newspaper and even tried to interest her friends and family in the game. Surprisingly, it worked. Lynn eventually pulled together about 15 people, enough to form the Queensland Curling Association. And after receiving just an hour of training through a former Scottish champion, finally, Lynn was on the ice. It seems sort of risky, dedicating all those years to a game you've never played. What if Lynn ended up hating it? Fortunately, though, she loved it. Lynn joined the Australian women's curling team, became a curling coach, and is now the matriarch of one of the greatest curling families in Australian history, the Gills. A passion for curling is often passed down from parent to child, and Australia's current mixed doubles team, Dean Hewitt and Tali Gill, is no exception. Dean Hewitt is the son of Stephen Hewitt, who was part of the original Australian curling team alongside Hugh Milliken. Tali Gill, Dean's doubles partner, is Lynn Gill's daughter. Their coach, John Morris, wait for it, is the son of Earl Morris, the coach who worked with the Australian team in their bid for the 2010 Olympic Games. In 2021, at a qualifying event in the Netherlands, they made history by being the first ever Australian curling team to receive a quota spot for the 2022 Winter Olympics. They've now got their sights firmly set on the next Games in 2026. In February of 2023, the World Curling Federation announced that Australia's curling community had finally got their long-awaited wish, 
a dedicated curling facility will open in Tuggeranong, Canberra, one of Australia's coldest cities. It's due to open in 2025, meaning, for the first time ever, Aussies will be able to train on home soil. Just in time for Tali and Dean to make history once again. Thanks for hanging out in the pool room. I'm Tony Armstrong, and you've been listening to an iHeart production. See you next time for another story from the wonderful world of sport. Catch up.